Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a Reaction Monday edition of the program. Bo, Z, the Hoff in studio as well. We wish we were dissecting a win, and yet somehow this still brings us joy, swag, Look at the color combination on that guy. Keeping it level. Keeping it simple. Yeah, you got to keep it simple it. here. Hoff, great to see you. Great seeing you guys as always. It's great to be here in Berea. Live and in person. That's right. It's always That's better. Right. It, it's a treat. It could have been more of a treat. Ah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, that's a, that's a tricky one because when you, when you think about where you are in the season, the must-win nature of it, um, mm. a Bengals team that is – one of the best teams in football and has been building towards this for about a month, but that was wounded that played without two of its three receivers. It's tight end um, very limited in, in terms of, of, of who they had on the roster and what they could do. And as it turns out, they didn't need much more than nine and number one and a little bit of run game in the second half um, defensively stifling performance out of them. Um, and for us, it's interesting. It feels like, and this has been a, a thing all season. And if you want to use the two, you know, kind of the two blunders, blunders, however you want to define them in the first half. The first half drive that ends without points um, and the roughing the punter where you're going to get the ball back at midfield. Ugh. It seems like this season, any time, Hoff, that we have had a critical decision to make or a critical play to be made, it has gone the opposite. You, you can't be a playoff team in the NFL unless you're making big plays in those big moments. You've got to be the best week in and week out in those three to four plays that seem to always define the game because it's a league of parity. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you look at everybody's records. M- most teams are right around that 500, and there's only a couple teams that really have separated themselves. Sure. You know, you talk the Eagles, maybe the Chiefs, and the Cowboys are those teams up there, and then kind of the next tier is basically 500. So <clears throat> if you want to be a team that can make the playoffs and can make a run – those three to four plays, which you don't know when they're going to be. They might yeah. be in the first quarter. They might be in the fourth quarter. But you've got to be ready at any moment. And I think for this team to be able to take that next step, they got to be ready for those moments to be able to make those big plays. And some of that's experience, but some of that's focus, attention to detail, and being sharp in the game, knowing that there's 68 or 69 plays. And I don't know which one of these is going to be the most important. So i got to treat them all like it is the most important one right now. You're exactly right, and, and that's where we saw against the Bucks, mm-hmm. We came up with those plays, and we won the game. And in this one, we did not. And, you know, it, you go back to that opening drive, and I understand, you know, the theory of what they were trying to do. Yeah. Nobody, who's thinking Jacoby Brissett's coming in off the bench and running a play-action pass, and mm-hmm. Donovan Peoples-Jones was there, but he's not in a rhythm. He airmails it, and, and so it ends up being an incompletion. I, I think sometimes maybe – if you stop them on the opening drive and you get the three there, it just it feels positive to me. Now they're behind. They are chasing you. And sometimes I think maybe those three points, while we don't want threes, threes keep change the whole game. Because if you were at 13, even late in the game, a field goal got you to 20, 16, yeah. which would make it a one-possession game instead of needing touchdowns. And, you know, those things, they're momentum crushers because we get the stop, we go down the field, by the way, I thought we got a horrific spot on second down. Deshaun Watson didn't he had give the first down. He didn't give himself up. He went forward. Yeah, forward, yeah. Um, but it would have. It just. It's that play. It's 
the roughing the punter. It's we get a sack to get off the field. Both of their touchdowns on the first half, we got off of the field both right. times. The holding penalty on Ronnie Harris in the backfield on Perrion would have been his first sack. That was a, a tough call, but it's like we couldn't get out of our own way. Self-inflicted wounds, and then when you had the opportunity to make amends, we couldn't. You and Jim did a great job of this on the broadcast in the fourth quarter in that and if, if you take that field goal early, your entire philosophy is different in the fourth. Yes. And so we are going for fourth and fives and fourth and fours. As you pointed out on the broadcast, it was never a fourth and one or fourth and a half. It was always fourth and five, which are tough, really brutal Hard. to convert over and over and over those. Um, and and so if you if you make that one, now you can kick another one, and now it's a one score game. It just changes everything. And I I wanted to you know you and I have talked about this before, and I I, I get it. I get the theory. One drive that ends in a touchdown is worth more than two drives that end in field goals. I get it. I understand the math of it. But Joe, one thing that I it's the psyche. We go right, you go three and out, you go right down the field, then they get the stop on fourth down. They're doing cartwheels. They're celebrating. They just stopped us. You kick the field goal, at least you walk away saying, hey, we got something out of that. And instead, it feels like, from our point, it feels like we've lost. It's like you they go three and out, you drive all the way down, and then you don't convert the fourth. It feels like it's more damaging to us. Yeah, I can definitely see that side of it. <clears throat> I think... One thing the Browns staff is trying to do is is build a resilient mindset amongst the players that if you go down there, we're going to stay aggressive. We're going to be aggressive. If we don't make it, we can't let it destroy us mentally and make it feel like all of a sudden the momentum has been snatched from us. When we were moving the ball at will down there to yep. get to that situation, so don't allow the fan in you to come in, come out and think, Oh crap! What an opportunity, and we let them get the victory. No, you got to think. Oh, we're going to go down there the next time we get the opportunity. Go all the way down, and instead of coming up short and missing the throw, we're going to score a touchdown right there. And I think trying to build that mindset is tough because, especially when you're dealing with younger players, you got to be able to show some results in those situation more than you show failures because otherwise the failure is going to creep in and then it's that, okay, here we go, mentality. We had them on the ropes and we let them off the hook. And that's the thing, and it's the momentum that is a, a real palpable thing. In that stadium, after we got a three and out, we went down there, you get the three points. It isn't the, the blow that a touchdown would have been, but it would have been deflating because then as soon as they get the stop, now the crowd's amped up again, yep. they're amped up again. It, it and it's hindsight's twenty twenty, but our defense actually I thought played well in this game, and I, they were limited. You talked about you know no Boyd was forty five and kept going into the game forty five catches six fifty five Higgins sixty eight sixty one so that's one hundred and five catches and over fifteen hundred yards. You add in Hayden Hurst who was at forty eight and four hundred. Yeah, that's basically like a hundred and what a hundred and. 53 catches and almost 2,000 yards that were out of their offense in this game. And so it didn't have the feeling to me of a shootout. No, it didn't. And so in that case, three points, when you're talking about a total of 33 being scored, three points are more valuable in this game than they would have been in a 30-30 to 30 track meet, right? Yeah. And And it's hard to look back at it. You want to see, you know, the execution there. I thought overall, if you're a Browns fan, what you're happy about is – you know, David Ajoku is playing great. Donovan Peoples-Jones is really emerging. 
Deshaun Watson looked significantly better and made some of those wow plays where you said, okay, that's why yeah. he is who he is. Some of the, the accuracy and the strength of some of the throws, throwing out of a sack, that was 30 yards in the air on the money, which was insane. The play that a screen's blown up and he ends up running out the right side and making a play out of nothing. You could see that, but execution top to bottom and then penalties. He had nine, we had, I think it was nine for 98 yards in the first half. That's self-inflicted wounds, and that's been the problem for this team all year. Self-inflicted wounds, blown coverages. We saw that again when mm -hmm. we took the cheese on the, the flea flicker. Just not good enough football. Overall, though, you played well enough to win. This is Joe Burrow's worst game in maybe since week one. Yeah, yeah. In a he, long time. Yeah, if he if you take out week one, he was the number one rated quarterback in PFF. Yep. Uh, and is, still currently is, despite you know what he did on, on Sunday. Yeah, so he this was, uh, they were limited, and yet – it goes back to – look, you go back to the Jets. You look at every game. This is, I guess, the overarching thing. For for this season, it feels like when there is a, a play or a decision or a penalty, we're on the wrong side of it and have been all year. And some of these things, it feels almost impossible that you lose these games. The Jets the best example of that, obviously. Chargers another one. Um, but it just feels like if there is a chance for it to go bad, it does. And that's – I don't know if that's mojo or whatever, but we just – we don't have it. Situational football has been poor all season long. I mean, <clears throat> you think about the one play in the game that I can't get out of my head, and I'm sure it's the same for a lot of Browns fans. Fourth and 15, we got them pinned back on their own 17, Yep, and you rough the punter. Not run into the kicker. Oh, like, no. Which is only a five-yard penalty, you and then they kick it again. Him you murder the kicker. Yes. Like, that's inexcusable and intolerable. Not understanding the situation where – even if you are trying to go for a block, which you usually aren't in that situation, you're we usually were. setting up a I little would. bit of re a return. Yeah. But even if you are going for the block and you feel like you can get it, you have to be able to get out of the way. That's the only thing that matters. Mm -hmm. Because blocking it in that situation, yeah, that's great. But the negative is 10 times as bad as the potential positive on the other side if you do get a block. Well, we would have had the ball around our 40. Yep. In a 0-0 game, we had, that would have been our third consecutive punt force against their offense. And instead, that drive, then you get a, a pass interference. I think you get a defensive holding. You get another uh, 58 yards of penalties later. They put it on the board. On a By the way, a bizarre play on a post to a double-covered Jamar Chase. Yeah, that was weird. He didn't even see the football. It he was didn't like think all it of a sudden coming. reactionary, he just grabs the ball. What? He was double-covered. He was bracketed it inside was, and out. It was thrown so perfectly yeah. that he was compelled to catch the ball he, because it was – Right there, and John Johnson didn't even expect because he could have separated him from the ball. Well, I'll argue that the fact that Jamar Chase didn't see the football actually helped him and led to the touchdown because had he seen the ball, he would have started using his hands and moving him towards the football, which is what the defensive backs trigger upon, right? Yep. They're watching the hands. As soon as the hands come, now they're going to start playing defense and try to break it up. They didn't have that time because he didn't even reach his hands out at all. It was late hands, no hands. It was like it was Un unintentionally. You remember those things you could go to like the, the beach with where it was like you'd hold it on your hand. It was a circle and it was like made out of Velcro and the ball would just, oh, yeah. Yeah. You just catch it like that. That was it. Yeah. It was like that. It was like it just, he was made out of Velcro and the ball just went right into his chest. Touchdown. 58 yards of penalties against us on, on that, that drive. drive on that drive. Alone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and yeah, penalties right. that are as a player, it bugs me when penalties are unnecessary, which of course let's, let's say all penalties are unnecessary, but like if you're in that moment and you know, let's say it's, it's miles and he's about to get a sack and he reaches up and he's trying to make a play on the quarterback and he yes. hits him in the head and it's a 15 yarder. All right, we get it. That was one of those ones where you're, you're giving great effort. You're trying to make a play. You're almost there to make the play, and you get a penalty. It's sort of unfortunate, right? But 
you can't rough the kicker on fourth and 15. No. And then on second and 10, Isaiah Thomas gets the hands to the face on their left tackle. Like, he wasn't even in on the play. Like, it wasn't like you were close to the quarterback and you made that last-ditch effort to sack the quarterback. No, you weren't even close to the quarterback. As soon as you feel your hands, you got to have the wherewithal to be able to pull them down. You can't have penalties in situations that aren't affecting – you're not in a situation to affect the outcome of the play. And that's, again, Chase Winovich hurts his knee in practice. He's down. Isaiah Thomas is up. You know, Chase Winovich maybe doesn't commit that same penalty and had a nice game the week before. It's just little things, and Tony Fields is obviously in positions that he wasn't in earlier in this year. You know, Ronnie Harrison gets a defense hole, and by the way, it was a bad call. He really didn't do anything that took yeah. us off the field again when we had gotten a third and ten sack, which would have been Winfrey sack. The penalties were just brutal in this game for the Cleveland Browns, and and those are you can't go into Cincinnati, take on a team as good as the Bengals, wounded albeit. Yeah, because they were offensively and and make those kind of mistakes and expect to win. No, a, a substantive difference that the offensive line needs to recognize and, and have the recognition in the back of their head during a game when you have Deshaun versus Jacoby is understanding that once you get guys locked up in the pocket and pass protection, Deshaun is probably going to escape the pocket. And you got to understand that as soon as your man turns and runs to chase, you have to let him go. Because that's a big difference that's learned. That has to be something you think about. You put in your notes. You look at it in the locker room before you go out on the field on Sundays. Because those guys are getting burned a lot where they've got their guy locked up, but Deshaun starts leaving, and they're not recognizing that Deshaun's a scrambling quarterback. He's not like Jacoby where you're not going to get into that situation. And you got to be able to learn to let go as soon as you feel your guy tug to pull away to chase the quarterback. That's an it's a incredible great note. It's a Hoff note right there. That's <laughs> yeah. a that's a gold jacket note right there uh, out of the Hoff. Um, look, let's do the let's do a couple of things with our offense. Um, I, I'm just looking. Chase had 15 of the 32 targets were to Jamar Chase. Mm -hmm. He had 10. He had 10, 10 catches. of the 18 catches. He had 119 of the 239 it's a one yards. One man so. show. Mm. Yeah, and I he's was a reading stud, today. dude. He is he's a stud. It's crazy. There, Burrow. He's got that. He's got. I mean, I, I hate it because he's in our division. I love him as a person. I've known Same. him forever. But like, you hate it because he's in the division. But he's got that Brady Montana. Give me the ball. I'll go score thing. Like, there's full belief in him. And totally. He, and he rushes. Justifiable. He rushes for ten yards, but three times he ran for first downs on third downs. Mm. Lowered his shoulder on it, the one. He was very effective at that. But back to Jamar Chase. And I had. I even mentioned. You know, I'd love to see us double him. And at times we did, and he scored anyway. Mm. But. I didn't like the fact that we read in the athletic that some of the players were saying they thought he should have been doubled more and more help should have been given. When you got a Denzel Ward, like that's a one-on-one -on -one matchup. That's the deal. That's the deal. You're a $100 million cornerback. At one point, you were the highest paid corner in the league. You play their best guy one-on-one -on -one a lot. That yeah. That's the way that it goes. And by the way, he caught a lot of passes, but his long on the day was 20 yards. A lot yeah. of them were kind of outs from the slot and underneathy stuff. He didn't burn us. The burn was... Trent Irwin for 45 yards yeah. on a, a flea flicker that we bit full on. And then Trent Taylor in the middle of the field, a catch and run for 34 on a third and 10. Mm -hmm. Those were the plays that killed us much more so than, than Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase was very effective. But if you say, okay, he's going to catch 10 balls, but only get 119 yards. Okay. That's you okay. You can live with that. Right. There's the other stuff that we didn't shut down. Let's have the uh, uh, week one Deshaun, week two Deshaun. What was the biggest 
improvement for you, Hoff? What did you make of his second timeout? Uh, Decision-making, especially towards the second half. Um, last week and then the beginning of this game this week, he struggled deciding when to let it rip. Like, he had some guys open, especially at the beginning of this game, where he could have thrown the football. And they, it almost looked like the play were designed for some of those guys, and he just didn't throw it because I think he's he's a risk-averse quarterback, a little bit like Jacoby, where he doesn't want to throw it unless he feels confident that that ball is getting in there. And I saw confidence building throughout the game and him to start letting it rip when he should, but also taking the opportunity to escape and win with his legs when he should. So it's just knowing when to do both of those things, I think, was something he was excellent at when he was in Houston. And then having that long layoff, he was just slow going through that mental process of being able to decide, throw it or run it. Yeah, and his two interceptions, he was slow on both of those. Even in this one, Donovan Peoples-Jones was open in that crosser, but the ball was so late that Bates was able to run it down and undercut it and get the pick, and you go back to Houston. But, yeah, I think that his rhythm was better. Yep. The drop-back pace and depth was significantly more consistent. His arm strength was great. His ac ball placement was back. I mean, the throw on the out to Amari was a beautiful ball. He had a couple inward-breaking yeah. ones to DPJ that were lasers Seeds, and yeah. great throws. So I think you saw him – I thought it was an exponential leap. And if you watch that, his ability to make some special plays out of structure, which he did in this game, you know, that's that's the stuff that is going to carry forward. Now, we're not talking about the fact that we we are struggling mightily to run the football. And, and you know, DJ Reader basically had his way mm -hmm. with us. And yeah. you I don't know if you've watched it yet, but a lot of these run plays, it takes every person. And if one person misses their block, that's the end of the run play, and that's happening a lot more than it was earlier in the season. Well, let's go to the Hoff on that, because that's the next place we're going, is is why can't we run it? So this is a couple games in a row. Uh, Nick Chubb, 2.4 yards a carry on the 14 carries. Uh, Kareem Hunt, just four carries for six yards in this one. Nick has feasted on Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. um, why are we not able to run it when we want to like we used to? So early on, we tried to do a lot of the toss-crack type stuff to get outside and – it's just like what Z said. It's one person, right? To run the ball effectively, everyone's got to have a hat on a hat and be on the right man. Uh, a little bit edgy. When you get those toss-crack type plays, you need to get a seal from the outside. So a lot of times it's a tight end or maybe sometimes a receiver coming down and cracking. You kind of create that wall, and then you're pulling your guys on the inside around that. Uh, there was a lot of leakage coming in from the inside, and some of that was the crack player, whether it be the receiver or the tight end. But a lot of it, too, was your down block from the inside on guys like DJ Reader, their defensive tackles. We weren't able to effectively seal them to the inside, and so that guy's running laterally down the line of scrimmage. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt get the football. Now they're not able to cut up the alley that's supposed to be being created because they got leakage coming from the inside, and they have to decide, do I cut it all the way back where there's more headaches even further inside where the cavalry is coming from, or do I try to bounce it outside of my guys that are trying to kick it out? And neither of them are good options. Really, in order for those toss cracks to work, you got to be able to get at least to the line of scrimmage through the first layer of defense. Now you can start making guys miss, and now you see some of those bigger runs. But <clears throat> because of all the leakage coming from the inside, from those down blocks, not only just the down blocks on the defensive ends, outside linebackers, but the down blocks on their defensive tackles, specifically DJ Reader, was causing so much leakage that those plays were almost completely ineffective. And the problem with the toss crack is it's not like an inside zone where a play doesn't work well, it's two or three yards. A play doesn't work well in toss crack, it's zero or negative. And now you're sitting behind the eight ball. Now it's second and 12, second right. and 13. And now you're just trying to run a second down play to get you in third and manageable. 
right? Yeah, Which, our first down running was awful. It was terrible. We were in second and yeah. 10 plus a yeah. lot. And right. so you saw a little bit more of like inside outside zone, just seeing if maybe we could take advantage of them there. But even still, it was not our offensive line's best game. You weren't getting the push. You weren't getting the good combination double teams. Their linebackers were coming downhill quick, taking our guys off of double teams. And we just weren't able to get the running back started to allow their ability to work once they get through that first level. Now they're making guys miss and hitting some home runs. And Mike Hilton is a very good nickel blitzer, and he hasn't gotten to the quarterback yet this year, but he was effective in those run games where he'd nickel blitz, and sometimes the receiver would be coming down to get him, but he was already through. Mm -hmm. To your point, there are a few where Jed was trying to reach in so Joel could come around him, and he just wasn't able to get that block and that blow up. And then sometimes when we ran the zone, either Froholt couldn't get in front of him or Wyatt on the backside wasn't able to get completely in front of him, so he's actually kind of running him down the line into the play. And so we were getting blown up quite a bit. We had two good runs, and one was just a pure zone on a second and 12, mm-hmm. I want to say. Mm-hmm. And then the other was a toss-crack concept. But DPJ got a good seal, yeah. and then they Nick literally ran up Mike Woods' back. He almost yeah. <laughs> trampled him. Yeah. So the reason they started with the toss-crack, not just because that's what our offense has done the best, but when you have a guy like DJ Reader on the inside, he's really difficult to reach when you're running inside zone. He's hard because he's so big and he's so quick. And so a lot of times you don't want to run those wide zones because you can't get around him because he he stretches the play out and allows those linebackers and the backside players to make the play or he'll penetrate and you because you can't get your hat to the right side on him and then he disrupts the timing from the inside now the back has to cut before he's ready before the holes have opened up so I understand what they were trying to do early on but then they couldn't seal him on the down block either so it was like man we can't do anything with this guy. How are we going to be able to run the football effectively? And I, I thought they were going to go to a little bit more of the zone read type stuff. And they did. You, you saw a few of those in there. Um, and I think that's what you're going to maybe see more of as the season goes on with Deshaun because he's such a big weapon when the football's in his hand. You have 10 blockers instead of nine now, essentially. Yep. So you gain an extra blocker when your quarterback has the football. Plus, with as much outside zone, with as much toss-crack stuff as we run, there's a lot of really nice combinations that go out the backside where you got the entire – Stanford band running one way and all of a sudden the quarterback's pulling and he's running in space the other way. And even if they have one player staying home, it's Deshaun versus one guy in space. And I'm taking Deshaun Watson every time. Every time. That RPO game, yeah. Talk to us about how much of a difference it is with Froholt. Postick was playing so well and once since he's gone down, it's been it's been obvious. And Yellow Froholt's never played center in the league before. He's our fourth string center. It was supposed to be Originally, Nick Harris, then Posick, then Michael Dunn won that backup job. He went on IR, so Froholt is mm-hmm, in there, mm-hmm. and he's doing the best he can, but it's been a problem against the Ed Olivers of the world, against the DJ Readers of the world, and, and those games, you look at the struggles we've had trying to run the ball. The word we used to use is edgy. It's You're on the right guy. You're making the right calls. Your footwork's correct, but you're just a little edgy, and you're allowing leakage. You're maybe not getting your hat all the way to the right side to be able to fully cover up that color, give the running back the trust to stretch it. You know, maybe on the down block, you're getting there initially, but then he's beating you late over the top. And so it's disrupting the play at times. It's not a miss. It's not a missed assignment. It's not a whiff. But it's just edgy enough where it's not clear and it's not clean for the quarterback when he's in pass protection or for the running back when he's trying to run on his track and set up those blocks for you. All right. Um, We've had our say. We'll have much more to say on this one as well. You'll hear from Coach coming up next. We're off and running here on a Reaction Monday, Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Bally Bet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And the Bath Authority gives you that bathroom of your dreams. Why not transform your current bathroom into a custom bath for a spa-like experience? Let the Bath Authority make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler, expert and factory trained installers. Give them a call now for 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. The largest selection of bath projects are all made in the United States. Change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding. Acrylic tubs that insulate and keep the heat in. Tub to shower conversions as well. If you need it for your bathroom, they've got it. Superior products with expert installers at thebathauthority.com. 216-220-8399. Now here's head coach Kevin Stefanski at the podium. Yesterday, like we talked about after the game, very disappointing, uh, obviously, to go down there and not come away with a victory. You, you put a lot of effort into this thing, um, and, and the guys played hard, but we just it wasn't good enough uh, yesterday. That's frustrating. Um, but we know this. We know we play Saturday in front of our crowd, uh, division opponent. Um, so that's really where our focus has to go. It really has to turn quickly. Um, so that's what we're doing. With that, I'll take any questions. In terms of Deshaun yesterday, um, what did you, what improvements did you like most? Where did he make the biggest strides yesterday? Yeah, I, I thought he definitely made strides. I, th- I think that's part of, like we've talked about, you know, being away and then having that first game, getting that one out of the way, and then the second one, I, th- I did think you saw some improvements in decisions, improvements in uh, technique, footwork, all those type of things. Uh, just making sure that all those game reps. Uh, he keeps adding on to what what he's doing. Hey, Kevin, with Deshaun, um, the TV broadcast showed a couple of plays where he looked like he had guys open over the middle in the first half and either didn't see him or didn't throw it. Is that just some, is that just part of him getting more comfortable on the field and in your system? Yeah. And you know, you're going to miss throws. You're going to miss a a couple reads. That's every quarterback, uh, that's going to happen too. But I think, yeah, getting more comfortable uh, and then just playing on time. I think that's so much of, of this game is, is playing on time, listening to your feet. Uh, and, and he did that a few times and it was uh, very, very well done yesterday. Hey, Kevin, I've asked you about this before, but uh, yesterday the, the Bengals really did a good job of bottling up your running game. And so what, did, what kind of consistent problems have you seen when, when that hasn't worked in several games now this season? Yeah, I think there's a, it's always a combination of things, Jeff. Uh, I think first, like I told you guys yesterday, you got to give them credit. They, they did a nice job. Uh, they won a few of their one-on-one matchups yesterday. Uh, that's a historically a front and a scheme that we've had some success in the run game uh, with utilizing some of those schemes. It, it didn't happen yesterday. Uh, so we got to make sure that we, we look at it and, and things that we'll do differently the next time. Hey, Kevin, uh, according to today's uh, NFL stats, the Browns are 18 of 33 on fourth down conversions. 33 is the most in the league, the attempts. Um, so wh- why is the organization so gung-ho on fourth down uh, plays? Yeah, I think for, for me, Tony, it's just trying to put our guys in position to make a play, stay on the field, convert you know, potential threes into sevens. Uh, it, it's it's a philosophy that I believe in. You know, we're going to try to be aggressive. And, and I think our, our players understand that we're, we're trying to be smart while being aggressive. Yeah, Coach, I wanted to ask you about all the penalties you got yesterday, especially there in the in the first half. But uh, 
you know, was all said and done nine penalties for almost a hundred yards. And that's pretty much length of a football field there. How would you uh, classify those penalties? Obviously physical mistakes are going to happen throughout the course of the game. Would you uh, characterize those as physical mistakes or um, more so lack of discipline mistakes? Yeah. I mean, really we had that string there with the roughing the punter, then hands to the face, which negated a sack and then DPI all, all that came almost consecutively. So that's frustrating, obviously. Uh, are they physical mistakes? Yeah, they're physical. And, and that's part of playing football and trying to play fast. Um, uh, Tony understands that you can't run into the punter. Uh, you, you know, that was a, a mistake, um, but it's not for lack of effort. But, you know, we have to be better there. We can't uh, we can't put ourselves in that position when we're about to get the ball. Um, so those happen uh, in football. Uh, we got ha we have to overcome them. Hey, Kevin. Um you know, you talked about the struggles offensive line recently. Is Michael Dunn a, uh, an option to come back this week? And if so, is he or other, do you see any other moves on the offensive line that you could try? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure yet on, on Michael. I know he's, he's getting better, uh, spending some time uh, getting better in rehab. Uh, we'll look at all those type of things, uh, Jeff, uh, Fred, but with this being, you know, a short week, We'll see who we have available to us uh, as this week progresses. Gosh, until he said that, I, he said short week, and I'm like, wait, we didn't play – we're Saturday this week, aren't we? That's right. Saturday. And Saturday Quick this one. week, Saturday next week. 4 o'clock this week, kick? 4.30, I yeah, believe. 4.30? Okay. Wow. Going to come. Uh, this thing's going to start stacking here. Look, as you as you put a um, – it's it's a brutal end to it, right? Because you, you had you know, the, the hope – you know, ten and seven, win them out, and there's an you know zero point four percent or whatever that you could still at still nine alive. and eight. So you say there's a chance. That's right. Um, but it's obviously you know the tiebreaker situations are pretty brutal, and it was one you had to have, and it was a very winnable game. I think that's the the bitter pill, and it was a similar script, not in terms of the way that the game looked, but in terms of when big moments happen, we were on the wrong side of them, which has been something that's been the case all season long. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. It's frustrating, and we said it earlier. This season was put into this precarious position and you could say this season got away from us actually early on through losses that never should have been losses through blunders that never should have happened whether they are mental mistakes blown coverages poor execution I was watching I don't even know what game I was watching yesterday maybe it was the den one of the games and there's an onside kick there's like there's only been three onside kicks recovered all year and I'm like well we were one of them yeah. against the Jets I remember that although we do have one of the two punt returns but it feels like every game where there is a special teams blunder, we it's like automatic loss for us. We can't overcome that. Mm -mm. Every game that there is a blown coverage, it's like a loss. We don't really overcome that, although we did in in Carolina with a special teams huge play. When special teams makes oh, a big gosh. play, we win. I mean, it's been yeah. it's just rough. Miles and Clowney could not have been better yesterday. No, I don't think Miles been great. Miles great and Clowney month. was great yesterday. Yeah, should have had a sack. He had the tip that leads to the pick. I mean, he, he had a sack. And we were running a lot of, I thought, very interesting stuff where Miles at times would be in the middle. And Miles was actually what I would call, I don't know what the right term is, it the clear-out guy, and Clowney would loop behind him. And that worked really well. I mean, he he came around the corner on Burrow. Burrow's like, uh, just ducked his head, yeah. and he got swallowed up. Those games, and we haven't really seen a lot of games with those two like we did yesterday, which was really effective. Yeah, I think it's a good answer to what a lot of teams are doing with Miles. If you see whenever they put him out at defensive end, 
they're immediately putting either a running back or a tight end there, and they're hitting him right at the line of scrimmage. They're double-teaming him from the outside in. And no matter how good you are when you're on the outside, if as soon as you take one step, you got a big tight end smacking you, and then you have another offensive tackle that's there to block, it's almost impossible to defeat that. So what do you do? You get smarter, right? Rather than just continuing to run your head into a brick wall, well, put Miles on the inside because you can't do that when you're playing defensive tackle. That's why for years and years they've always said Aaron Donald is the biggest difference maker on the defensive line in the NFL because when you're coming from the inside, you can't do those double teams like you can when you're playing defensive end because it's guard, center, and then maybe tackle if you're doing some type of full slide. But for the most part, you can affect the play from the inside and they can't double you schematically like they can on the outside. Yeah. It's, I mean, that it's fun. It's just, we've, we've done the script. We've read the script a lot. So it's bitter, bitter pill to swallow. There was one play I wanted to ask you about Hoff from our standpoint. If you recall, they ran, it was crazy. Sam Hubbard pre-snap dropped to the Mike linebacker position and then ran a looping blitz from there, and we didn't pick him up at all, and it was one where he clobbered Watson. Watson got out of it, but yeah. how as a line do you deal with that? I don't know if that's even been on tape before when at the last second an end moves to Mike, mm-hmm. and then he ended up blitzing, and they ran everybody this yeah. way, and he looped around. Yep, so I think I know the play you're talking about. Um, your third down pass protection rules, you're going to call the same protection in the, in the huddle. So it'll still be like two-jet protection or three-jet or whatever. But your rules are totally different on third down because of that reason. So on first and second down, you're usually blocking spots. On third down, you're finding men. So on third down, Sam Hubbard, he's not a linebacker. I don't care if he lines up as the Mike linebacker off the ball. Like us three, we got these three. And usually when they're putting them off the ball, they're trying to do some type of stunt. So that means your technique changes. Now you got to set off the ball more. The guys that have somebody in their laps got to make sure that they don't let those guys penetrate. Because what you're trying to do when you put that guy off the ball like that, they're trying to get penetration from the guys on the line of scrimmage. And as soon as he penetrates, now you got guys that are looping and you can't pass that off when there's penetration and guys are on different levels. So I was disappointed that they missed that one because it's not fundamental, but it's what every team does on third down. As soon as you see, even if you haven't seen it on film, you see one of their pass rushers off the ball. Like, just imagine in your mind if you close your eyes, he's on the line of scrimmage. We got him, and you know what they're trying to get to. Yeah. So it w- it was frustrating, and I'm sure Bill Callahan uh, was frustrated when they got beat by that one because, although it was a unique look that they haven't seen, their rules should have covered it, and they should have been able to pick that up on the inside, especially when you got two All Pro guards. I know that your center hasn't been doing it for a long time, but you got to be able to help the guy out and start communicating on the line of scrimmage. Because I don't know what you thought, Z, but it, on the broadcast, maybe just they had the crowd turned down, but it didn't seem that loud in Cincinnati like it has been a lot of times. So maybe it, maybe it was just CBS turning that mic down on the crowd, but it seemed like it wasn't a rowdy atmosphere from watching it on the TV copy. It was loud. And there were people in front of us that were very loud. Our booth is kind of like in the crowd. Some guy was about to get, he was about to get a knuckle sandwich from Jimmy Donovan. Nice. I can tell you that if he was, uh, if he was left to his own devices there, but I, I thought it was loud. It was a good environment and it was kind of electric pregame. Interesting. Like it was yeah, you were on the field. It, like, felt, right, it go, felt like a real big time game on both sides. And you could tell that we were in their heads a little bit early and then we didn't capitalize on it. Yep. And, and that's, that's the thing, whereas, you know, if you hold them to three straight, you know, punts, and it was really four straight, would have been the fourth punt of the yeah. game where we got the penalty and then they finally scored. But you should be ahead there. And that's why sometimes mm-hmm. I think even those three points, psychologically, you're still ahead. Like, if we don't let them score again, 
they can't beat us. That's it. You know? Yeah. So did Jonah Williams false start every play? Every single play. S was texting me nonstop. Was he? I'm like, <laughs> I'm doing the game, S. But he's like, I, the left tackle's moving early every play. Okay. Snap. Yeah. I it, thought so too. It looked like he was. Did he get one? No. I don't believe so. I don't believe so. They may have gotten for a hold. And they got Lyle Collins for a couple holds, but that was Yeah. Mm-hmm. Part of it is Miles' get off is crazy. The other thing that I've noticed this year, and I don't know if you've noticed this watching the league, Gibbe and I talk about it all the time. People are lined up offsides on the defensive line on every snap in the league now. <laughs> I mean, like, helmets, like, fully across the really? ball. Stupidity at its finest. And they never are calling it. it. I don't understand it. it. It's bonkers. Do you think it's... We're guilty of it a lot, so I'm happy they're not calling on us, but it's weird. So I'm wondering if it's just the perspective you're looking at. Because a lot of times, if you're not looking straight down the line of scrimmage, even just being off a couple yards, it looks like you're offsides. But have you actually seen right down the line? In of Houston, it was I, right I in that, Houston. It was right in front of us that one, and I believe it was our, our guy Perry. Maybe they're but giving I mean, him more I leniency. Think he, I think Joe, like, saw, Joe, are you talking about like being on the sideline and looking straight? I'm down? saying you have to look straight down. It, it would yeah, be like be right in front of our. You know, booth. like when a player reaches out to reach across the goal line, unless you're looking right down the goal line, sure. the angle is going to make it look different because of your depth perception, and so. It's hard to tell for sure where that guy is unless you're looking down the line of screen. When one guy feels like, no matter the angle, that he's like a good six <laughs> inches ahead of everybody else, yeah. like it yeah. looks yeah. odd. And it feels yeah. like in the interior, guys' helmets are yeah. over the ball, which I thought was not allowed. My favorite part of Not that, allowed. No. My favorite part of that entire interaction was the fact that S is texting you nonstop during the game. Oh, and <laughs> Like you don't have anything going on. He called me today. He's like, I'm sorry I bent to you. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm literally working, working dude. <laughs> and it's bothering me more than you, I promise. Uh, you just got – look, rule number one, you got to mute. Oh, I have man. I have groups. I'm on group text. <laughs> yep. And then I'm like, I got to mute you for three hours you do it. because I, I got to get this done. Uh, there's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns to help your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers, presented by Milk Bones, the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today, BarkingBackers.com, Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. Coming up next, you'll hear from some of our guys, Deshaun Watson, Miles Garrett, Joel Batonio. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Hey, Cleveland Browns fans, skip the chore of laundry. Enjoy life, not laundry. Tide Cleaners is offering 30% off dry cleaning for the month of November. Just mention the promo code Browns. Visit TideCleaners.com to find the closest location to you. Some exclusions may apply. Let's hear from some of the principals in last uh, yesterday's loss down in Cincinnati to the Bengals. Here is Joel Batonio on the penalties and the frustration that was mounting. Yeah, it was frustrating. Um, you know, and I'm sure some of them are penalties, some of them are, you know, they have a tough job to do to the refs. But uh, in those situations, you know, when you get six or seven penalties in like a two-drive span of the offense and the defense, you know, it's it's a little bit frustrating. So we'll, we'll have to, I mean, at the end of the day, we have to do better. But um, those things, you know, add up as well. Yeah, and it is frustrating. Um, yes. Certainly that. Very. I mean, we mentioned 58 defensively, but there were holds. Conklin got a couple of them. That's what you were talking about, though, Hoff, right? One of those was where you just got to let go mm-hmm. when you're in the right spot, and he just, you know, just got him on run. one on. They got him on one where we did a designed quarterback powers. It looked like a read option, but you saw the backside pulled, and yeah, he that, followed. That was one on Jack. 
Yeah, where they call that hold on in. But, like, he, Watson was already falling to the ground. Yeah, like, it had nothing to do with the play. you got to realize that. Huff, are you on? Is it mic? Sorry. No, you're okay. You're right. I just want to – I didn't know if – is his mic on? Okay, it seemed like it was it was not. No, I, w- I oh, was not talking into it. I thought we were at commercial. There we go. So. Definitely not. No, like it was going. Oh yeah, yeah. It was not. Not. Yeah, no, definitely there. not. Yeah. I didn't know we were we were on. Yeah, we're. Yeah. I was just we're talking live. to you guys. We do it live. Yeah, we're live. Let's <laughs> do it live. We'll do it live. Um, yeah, I think in the, in those situations you got to understand, Jack was pulling through and he had the block one. Like it was yeah. over, and you just got to let go in that situation because the refs will give you a leeway when you first make contact if your hands are outside, but if you don't immediately refit them to the inside or let go. That's when they're going to call it because the player is going to the ground. Your hands are outside, and it's going to look like a hold every single the time. The ball carrier is already falling, though. I mean, I, I realize that it didn't have any impact on Nothing. the play, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It doesn't have any impact on the so play whether you hang on to yes. him all the way to the ground or you let go and you fall on him on the ground. So don't do it. Don't do it because yeah. it's going to be a penalty. Uh, Amari Cooper was a warrior to be out there yesterday. You could tell that, that he wasn't all that he needed to be, but no, he battled no. through it. His quarterback, Deshaun Watson, was appreciative. Here's that. Um, you know, you can kind of see it here and there. Uh, you know, you got to make sure that, you know, certain routes that we call during the game that he, he's feeling, you know, 100% better or 100% and some routes that he's not. Um, I know early on, uh, I guess they were subbing him in and out. Um, I'm not sure with that situation. But, um, you know, towards the end, we just got to keep getting better. And I got to keep trusting him. And he got to keep trusting me. And we're going to continue to do that. You know, there's a long, you know, process ahead of us. And, you know, it's a marathon. So we have to keep pushing work, or keep pushing forward. Yep, certainly was. Uh, good to see that. Watson was asked about his own progress through two games. Here's what he had to say. Um, yeah, I mean, the progress is, is, is always, you know, taking one step, you know, one step forward and just one step forward. The biggest ultimate goal, though, is trying to get the W, um, especially in, in the division. And, uh, you know, that one hurts. Um, but we have to, you know, learn from this, watch the tape, turn around next week, um, get back in there, get guys healthy, and we got a big one Saturday. Fact of the matter was, he was better. You saw glimpses of, was it a perfect game? No, but you certainly saw the glimpses of what makes him special and what makes this Cleveland Browns team a team that with Deshaun Watson at quarterback can be one that competes for the division title, the AFC title, a Super Bowl title. That's what he can give you. You saw glimpses of it. Ten points, of course that's not good enough. But to our point earlier, had we kicked the field goal in the opening possession. Yeah, the whole fourth quarter is different. And maybe we end up in the – who knows? Because the game changes, the pressure changes, all of it changes. But you saw the glimpses of why we're excited about Sean Watson. I think what's become really apparent, and it's something that goes back to what we discussed in the beginning of the offseason, was if Anthony Schwartz was not going to be the answer – that we needed to get a receiver, a third receiver with speed. David Bell's very nice in the underneath game. We've seen that. He started to catch more passes. But we need somebody that creates space for Donovan and Amari and David Njoku and creates space for Nick Chubb, and we don't have that. To me, as I sit here right now, priority number one is to get that guy for this football team. I you could well, argue that we've been saying that well you can't argue course. it's fact. It's we said fact. that in camp. Yes. <laughs> like where we were all sitting, we're sitting out there in that sweaty tent oh, right with dated with gnats breathing them into my Can we get a guy can go lungs. Give it. Can we get a fan and then the next thing was can we get a guy we got to get a guy and they bet big on Anthony Schwartz. They did. And it's and it's, it's failed. It's yeah. That's that's so right. that's just if it's sometimes it's injury, sometimes it's whatever, but you had to have that person on this roster and and they don't and no. so that's 
And apparently, look, Will Fuller's not in the league with anybody, so there's obviously more to it there, but it's a guy that you'd say, hey, maybe we could kick the tires on him. Let's see if Deshaun and he can rekindle what they had in Houston for four games and give him like kind of a tryout for 2023. It's probably late for that now, but that's something I would have thought about, you know, once once you got him in there. But I, I, look, he's not in the league for a reason. It's not just us that, yeah, right, that right. have not signed Will Fuller. So, Yeah. But we don't, yeah, but that, that that part of this offense just simply is not here at the Great Miss K. Uh, lovely. Um, Miles Garrett afterwards was asked about look playoff chances dwindling, um, but but far from any give up in this team. Here's what Miles had to say. I mean, I don't know what our chances are. I don't know what percentage is. I just know next week we gotta go one and zero. We gotta punch somebody in the mouth, and if our, if our chances are zero, we gotta knock down somebody else's chances. At the end of the day, I'm I'm not giving up, and this team's not giving up. No, regardless of you no. Know, where we stand, you know, it's, it's it's all about pride. It's all about desire. Now, I've said that since day one. You know, you play for your brothers, not just for yourself. It's good leadership there mm-hmm. from Miles, and he's your player of of the greatest consequence. It's nice to hear him step up. He had two sacks, three tackles for losses, two passes defense, three quarterback hits. He was a constant thorn in the side there. He's now over seventy sacks for his career. One of ten players to accomplish that in this first six seasons in the league. And you heard him, I think, really step up right there and speak to what it means, you know, what what's left to do and, and how he's going to help this team do it. He's been sensational. I mean, he's been sensational. Here's the um, – just so so you understand where you are, at 5-8, and eight, um, the, the last wild card team is the Chargers at 7-6. and six, But, of course, they have the tiebreaker over you. Uh, the teams between you and the Chargers are New England and the Jets, and, of course, they have – the tiebreakers over you so you would really need a 10 loss if you or you need nine you need nine losses you'd need the jets to lose uh three more games you need new england to lose three more games you'd need los angeles to lit well that wouldn't even do it no you need 10 you need four more losses for all of them because no nine and eight does it if you went nine and eight and they're all eight and nine you'd get in but you need to be a full game better than those three teams and they're the teams that are directly ahead of you in the postseason so you lose all tiebreakers if that comes to be because yeah. we stack three wins in a row and a bunch of other stuff happens and we can think about that in week 18, so be it. But for me right now, it's how do what do we see from Deshaun? Can we finish this season strong? I'd love to go 3-1 and one in these final four. I'd love to go 4-0, oh, obviously. But 2022 is in a tough spot. It's, it's yeah. on life support and not looking good. Oh, I'm not peddling hope. I was just given a, a an illustration of no, what it is. Possible. This is where yeah. this is what it this is the, the the numbers of it. Yeah. And that's why it's it is it is where it is. Down the stretch, how much would you guys like to see the Browns offense commit to the running game and kind of do some of the things that got us some success in the last couple of years? And how much do you want to just throw all that out the window and say, let's just throw Deshaun Watson forty five, fifty times a game, mix in some of the play action or zone read type stuff we think he can be good at and just start working on our offense for next season. And we will all answer that coming up next because that's the perfect segue to the what next a segue. to the next You're hour. Welcome. We will get Huge into what we expect in the last four games. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. OBM, the official printer partner of the Cleveland Browns. While you depend on your Browns to win, you can always depend on OBM because we can tackle any size office. Call 216-485-2000 or visit OhioBusinessMachines.com. Second hour of the program here. The Hoff in studio with us. Uh, Hoff, you so brilliantly asked that question at the end of the last segment. With four games left in the regular season, where do you want to go here? You asked the question, do you want to see us doing what we did when we had success running the ball the last couple of years with a run-heavy look? Or do we want to see... Uh, Deshaun Spinnett, you asked the question. I'll give you the first chance to answer it. Yeah, I want to see Deshaun Spinnett. I want to see what this offense is going to look like next season. You've got five games left to try to figure out, hey, what does Deshaun do best with this personnel group around him? What are some of maybe creative things that we're going to throw in there? And it's almost like a little bit of an exhibition game where you get an opportunity for live game reps against another team to be able to see what you can do when he's on the field and how it uh, makes things difficult on the defense. And when you're doing that, if Deshaun's going to throw it, you know, 35, 40 times designed per game, now you're not putting unnecessary wear and tear on Nick Chubb. Amen. I don't think we need to grind up Nick Chubb. We said that last week against Houston. In the second half, just keep throwing, slinging it. Yes, Sling keep throwing it, the ball. Yeah. This, to me, this Let's is go. all about Deshaun Watson. He made a quarter of a billion dollar investment into Deshaun Watson. And it wasn't just for the 2022 season. In fact, once that suspension changed and the judge was overruled from 6 to 11, this season became a long shot. That's the reality of the yeah. situation. None of yeah. us wanted it to be that. Because we were tantalized, it could have been better, and, and it probably should have been better. But that was the reality. And we are, uh, I heard Riz say earlier today, and he's right, we're playing in some ways preseason offense against teams that are playing Week 14 offense yeah. and Week 14 defense. And that's that's the truth. But that being said, that's the situation we were in. We entered into that situation. We got, I think, hosed by the league a little bit. But now, over these final four games, it's, Let's see this offense do everything we can with Sean Watson, get him live looks at everything that we can, assess who in the Deshaun Watson offense that we're going to be, who's going to be here, what do we need to make this offense truly click the way that it's capable of, what do we have in Jerome Ford, is he capable of being our true number two back and somebody behind Nick Chubb because it's unlikely that Kareem Hunt would be back next year, you know, Dearness Johnson, does he still have what he showed last year? Things like that. And find this stuff out. That that's what it's about. Is Mike Woods can Mike Woods make plays on a consistent yeah. basis for us? I think we know the guys that can't. So who can? And then what do we need if these guys, some of the guys we currently have, are not good enough? It's about Deshaun Watson at this point. And that's not to take anything away from any of the other players on defense, offense, all of it, but that's what this is about. This is a team that is going to be, much as you've said, the Bengals have become Joe Burrow's team, and he sets the culture, he sets the tone, all of that. The Browns are going to become Deshaun Watson's team going into next season fully, and we need to know what that looks like, who's who we want going along for that ride, and what we need to do to be able to win this division, sadly, for the first time ever. And that's what these four games are about. Yeah, it, it really is. The, it's a um, it's kind of a four-game audition for next season. What players fit? What schemes fit? Uh, what does Watson do with our guys best? Who, guy, who plays off of him best? Um, this is 
you know, three guys and, well, two dudes and a hop sitting on the radio talking. But <laughs> so it's different from the people in the room. You know, they're not thinking like that, Joe. They're they're winning every game. We still got a shot at the playoffs. Keep grinding all of that. And by the way, you can still do all of that while win. unleashing him. Like yes. he is at his best, a top five quarterback in this league. We our job, in my view, over the next four is to get him back to that at yep. all cost. That's that's the only job. Yep. That that is it. And you should win with that. This schedule's really manageable here to close the stretch. You should be able to win every single one of these games. My hunch is we'd be favored in them all. Considering we'll the Baltimore over, situation. Yes, we'll be favored over the Ravens. I think we'd be favored over the Saints. Washington, that would be iffy on the road, and then Pittsburgh will probably be close because it's the Steelers yeah. and they're all very winnable. Absolutely. Yeah. So, certainly won't be significant underdogs in any of them. No, no. It'll be, I'm guessing, as we do guess the lines, everything will be within three Yeah. Mm-hmm. the rest of the way, mm-hmm. either either for or against. I still want to win these games. I think it's very important to win these They're games. Not, those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Agreed. I think, in you fact, should, you should be able to spin it with four a lot and get the best out of him and get the best out of the people around him while winning. Those two things should marry. Very and nicely. if they don't, then you have bigger questions in the offseason, in my view. Right. And I think they will marry very nicely. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think it's coincidence, second game with Deshaun Watson, career high in receiving, 114 yards. Never never done that before. I think that there are guys, it's clear that this is going to benefit guys that are certainly worthy of, you know, taking forward to the next level, giving more opportunities to. And that's that's what this is about. And I think Deshaun Watson certainly can carry you to wins. Yeah, of course, you still run the ball. But there's no reason to try to go out and grind out a 12-9 game with 30 Nick Chubb carries. There's just no point for that, and it doesn't help him, and it doesn't help us. Absolutely. That's exactly the you point. You pointed on that. It's, that's uh, the really key. Isn't that it? is the key. You're not prematurely wearing out Nick Chubb to try to win a game 10-7, and you're also knocking the rust off Deshaun Watson and starting to develop the players around him as he's – feeling comfortable within this offense with these guys developing that connection for the next season so that you're starting to build momentum into the offseason. Because let's be honest, you said it earlier, Deshaun Watson wasn't brought here to win and get to the playoffs in 2022. This was a multi-year decision, three, four, five years. And to be able to get the most out of him, you need to get him up to speed as fast as possible and then start finding the creative type offensive looks that we feel he is going to be the best at within this offense. And I think while you can get some of that in the offseason running against your own guys or in training camp, the best looks are going to be when you're going against a defense that's trying to stop you because their playoff lives are on the line. Hey, let's roll out some plays that you know we've drawn up on the chalkboard and we've gone through uh, a few times during practice but we don't know what it's going to look like because we haven't seen it on film. We haven't seen Deshaun run it against another color jersey. Yeah, let's let's go take a shot with some of those things. You know, make it difficult on that defense because they don't know what's coming. Give people to think some something about Absolutely. all off season about how Deshaun Watson and how they're how Deshaun Watson's going to look and how they're going to be able to defend all the different things that he does. Agreed. Agreed. And you know, I think that one of the things, too, is I'd like to even, in the red zone in particular, right, get creative with Deshaun Watson. I like, we are a very good running team, but the first time we got down there in the red zone, we ran it on first down and second down, and we ended up basically like third and goal from yeah. the six. And that's a, that's a tough spot. Compressed field, you have 16 yards to work with to try to fit the ball in. That's a tough thing to do. Um, 
it was interesting getting in getting ready for this game i was listening to the week before which was Bengals and chiefs and it was nance and romo and romo was saying that uh brian callahan and zach taylor every weekend callahan is their offensive coordinator since he watched every red zone touchdown he watches every red zone touchdown from the week four so he has a basically a catalog of every red zone touchdown play in the league in the league yeah and then incorporates a lot of that and it's no coincidence since week four the Bengals have the most red zone touchdowns in the nfl they've been one of the, the best red zone team and i think that's something let's get creative in the red zone let's get creative all over and give these things to deshaun figure out what works what doesn't but put just put the game in his hands down there you know and put the game in his hands in general because that's what you're going to do ultimately and, and give a look to a, a jerome ford i just don't think nick chubb is so good and he's you know second in the league in rushing, second in rushing touchdowns. I don't know if he's still a second after this game. He might have dropped back a little bit because Henry went over 100 yards, so he might have dropped down to third because uh, Jacobs, I think, had a big game as well, so he's probably third. Jacobs is right around 100, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's nice to get rushing titles and all of that, but, I mean, you want him – there's no reason to just put unnecessary wear and tear on him. I'm not suggesting you shut him down. I'm just saying that the focus should be on Watson and figuring out what works best and even what works best for Nick with Watson. The thing that's driving me nuts though, and half you can speak to this way better than I can, is that people are acting like we are, are not a good 11 personnel running team or a good shotgun running team. And for the majority of the season, Nick Chubb was number one in the league in yards per carry with 11 personnel and out of the shotgun. So yeah. we actually are good at that. It just, things have changed on our line and we're not as good up front as we were earlier. Mm -hmm. And I think why it's clearly banged up. Why I think Jack's banged, banged up. up. Yeah, yeah, that that hurts you. But also, I think when Deshaun's in there, trying to figure out, hey, is he a guy that's going to be comfortable running the football out of out of pistol? Is he better running it out of the shotgun? Like quarterbacks have a big in, impact on the running game that people yeah. don't realize. Not only when they have the football and they're pulling it on zone reads or RPOs or things like that, but the, the fakes that they pull off and how that affects the defense because the defense is thinking. Hey, it might be a play action run, a play action pass. So, like how you affect the backside of defensive ends when you're running outside zone, um, whether you're in the shotgun or the pistol, and whether that running back's offset or or if he's right behind you in the dot, like that affects the angles of the runs. And so, just figuring out uh, what is this offense comfortable with, what do they do the best, I think is the most important thing we're going to do down the stretch. Yeah, I think you got a good look at that on the touchdown to David Njoku, our only offensive touchdown. It was a great play action, great ball handling where he turns his back completely to the defense. Nobody knew where he had it, and by the time he spun around, Chief was able to outflank the coverage and, and get into the end zone. I thought that was a good creative play, mm -hmm. kind of speaking to that. We've got a lot of talent. We have not executed at the level that we should this year, and I yeah. think that that needs to be a big part of kind of these four games, the evaluation of, and then this offseason is why have we been at times – why has the whole been less than the sum of the parts? Yeah. Yeah, that's that rowing in the same direction stuff. That that's that's all has to be there, certainly. Um, yeah, it's it's you know, you mentioned that the the screen where that's snuffed out and he makes the play down the field. That's who he is. You know, that's the stuff that he can do. We we the RPO game with him is gonna be yeah. it's so brutal to stop and that's something that I think you'll see more and more of as we go along what made Deshaun Watson so great in Houston was his ability to win in structure and on time in rhythm but then his ability to make game-changing plays out of structure and we saw a couple I mm -hmm. thought mm -hmm. game-changing chunk plays in this one out of yeah. structure and that's that's what he brings that's what the great quarterbacks in the league today do we saw Mahomes yesterday one of the most absurd touchdowns you're ever going to see 
against yeah. the Denver Broncos. But that's what these the great quarterbacks do. And Burrow, Burrow did like, that against us, where he where he busted out of the pocket and then basically waited for the guy to commit, commit to him, and he throws and then, it. Yep, mm-hmm. and that's you put defenses in conflict. You force them to make decisions at, in a split second, and and often as a quarterback that works mm-hmm. out. Watson did it on the screenplay. It was the same thing. You defender in conflict. Are you covering? Are you coming up and getting me? And then you're able to make a play out of that. And Burrow, don't let the ten yards rushing fool you. He scored a rushing touchdown five of the last nine games. Now he he rushed for forty something yards against the Chiefs. He uses his legs to extend plays with the idea of throwing it, but. He is very dangerous, and that's what it is, extending plays, getting out of sacks, turning negatives into positives, or even sometimes turning a negative play into a no play, mm-hmm. which is just as valuable. Certainly so. All right, coming up next, we'll go wild. Scores were not kind. Not kind. No, not not, not at all. It was a rough I, weekend for the scores. I got a chance on Monday night to be, I think, seven and six. Which oh, be. my God. I'm like three and nine, I think. I think you got four. You got four. It's, it was brutal. Brutal, brutal week across the board. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff you didn't didn't see happening did. It was strange. No. Big covers almost lost. We it was wild. We knew Houston was going to cover. We yeah. knew it. We said it. this is the dumbest thing that we're ever doing. We I know. Took Dallas like a bunch of dopes. Well, Kansas City was up 27 to nothing yeah, and that didn't. One, that one hurt. How'd that, that go? Yeah. That doesn't work. Uh, well, and, and one other thing, because I, I do think that what you're – I do wonder if there is one singular offensive genius in this league. We'll get to that as well. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily Brought to you by Bally Bet coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Daily brought to you by Ballybet coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Nothing quite like tailgating touchdowns and twisted tea. It tastes just like real iced tea. You know why? Because it's made with real brewed tea, cool, refreshing, a 5% kick of alcohol. It's thirst down and gold, twisted tea, hard iced tea. Keep it twisted as we go around the National Football League. Uh, Gibby wants us to uh, give you your two top teams in the NFL right now and why. We'll start with the Hoff. Uh, Kansas City, yeah, Philly, Kansas City because of Mahomes. You know, yeah. there, there's never a game where you ever panic, no matter what the score is. When you got Mahomes, I mean, he's playing as the MVP of the league right now. I know Jalen Hurts has uh, something to say about that, and Josh Allen. But to me, if you say, "All right, you're the first pick in an expansion draft, and you can take anybody in the NFL," I think Mahomes is the guy that goes. I think it's kind of become like what it was like with LeBron in the NBA. Like you could give him MVP every year yeah. because everyone yeah. would pick him first, but you can't yeah. give him the MVP every right. year. So we come up with other sure. creative people to give it to. Yeah, it's like Belichick, right? Yeah. He should have been the coach of the year every year for like 15 years, but you get sick of it. And you right. kind of want, you know, here's something else. And <laughs> yeah, someone else got to win. Somebody like beats your expectations by, you know, a lot like Jalen Hurts <laughs> is right now. And then you, you want to give them maybe some, sure. some props for it. Um, 
and then the Eagles because offensively they can do whatever you don't try to stop them from doing. So if you're saying, hey, we're worried about Jalen Hurts in that run game, yeah. they'll, they'll light you up on the outside with those receivers. If you try to play coverage and you try to double those receivers, they'll just murder you with their giant offensive line and they're going to just run the ball 45 times and, and pound you into the dirt. So they can beat you any way they want to on offense. So it gives them multiplicity, which is what it takes to win in the playoffs. And their defense is, is nasty. Like their defensive line, yeah, they've filthy. been great forever. But they're filthy. Their defensive backs are getting healthy so they can play zone. They can play man coverage. Like they're the, they're the team that can do it all. We saw it when they were here. Yeah, jumped that off they the were going to be pretty darn formidable. Yeah. And by the way, that offense is doing this without Dallas Goddard. And they're about to get Dallas Goddard back, yeah. who can win one-on-ones as a very productive tight end. Uh, my top two teams in the NFL right now are <coughs> the Chiefs and Nerd. Oh, my gosh, with Brock Purdy, Mr. Brock Irrelevant. Purdy. Brock Purdy just beat Tom Brady 35-7. to seven. That's right. The 49ers. And how these does, are, by the way, how does Pedro feel about Debo running dives? He's furious. He blamed yeah. every – my dad blames every injury that's ever happened on Kyle. Yeah. They're all Kyle's <laughs> Your dad and Gibby have a lot. How about that? So much in common. It's yeah. beautiful. I'm like, they're playing football, Dad. Like, it's football. <laughs> Don't give it to McCaffrey anymore. <laughs> Do you want him to be productive? He's got to yeah. play football and yeah. touch the ball to be productive. Amazing. The Niners, Rams week eight. So after they lose to the Chiefs, which is why the Chiefs are number one. Rams week eight. That was still Stafford, still Cooper Cup, still mm -hmm. a decent Rams team. Operation. Operation. 31-14. Yeah. Chargers, good offense. Hold them to 16. Cardinals, good offense. Hold them to 10. Shut out the Saints. Not a good offense. Dolphins, at the time, hottest offense in the league. Hold them to 17. Bucks, hold them to 7. They have not given up more than 17 points in six straight games. That goes back to the 80s is the last time they did that. When they, People forget how good the Niners' defenses were on those yeah. teams oh, yeah. with Joe Montana as well. Their defense is awesome. They are 9-4. and four. I believe they will beat the Seahawks on Thursday night. They have the Commanders, the Raiders, and the Cardinals the rest of the way. There's no reason why this team couldn't be 13-4. and four. Their defense, I think, is the best in the league. The, probably the right answer is the Eagles, but what they're doing is sensational. And for Brock Purdy to go in there and look like, and I'll tell you, a lot of the guys on this team told me that the Bucks D was the best D that we had played this year, hmm. and he annihilated wow. them. Yeah, he was like 16 to 20, 180, two touchdowns, no picks. Kyle, but I, that, that got to the point. I think, I think he's like the one true offensive genius because he's never had – other than the Ryan year, but look what happened to Ryan after he left. Like he's never had like an, ex an extended period with a dude quarterback. Like there hasn't been that many of them. That's why if they had just stayed there and drafted Fields, they could have used the pick that yeah. is they could have Tyreek Hill, Fields, and Bradley Chubb on right. that team mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, yeah. Cautionary tale right there about mortgaging the future for a, a, unknown, a draft unknown, unknown kid. draft pick. One start, one yeah. year, and one start. Way too much uncertainty when you're doing yeah. it in the draft versus trading for a, a player that's played in the NFL and you can watch him against NFL sure. talent and say, good, not good. Yeah. yeah. What do you guys, um, you know, this Philly team, it's it's one thing in this league, I've been skeptical of them just because of their schedule's been very manageable. You know, they haven't had to play the better teams in the league. They When they beat Dallas the first time, they didn't have Dak. They have Dallas in a couple of weeks here uh, coming up. They'll get the Bears this week with, no, I mean, that's just, absolute carcass of the bears team they'll finish at cowboys in two weeks and then it's saints and giants like they're gonna go 15 and two at worst if they yep. lose in dallas that's yep. it 
they haven't really faced any adversity. They haven't had to chase games. They score quick, and it's done. There's one or two occasions this year where they would get down even a touchdown, and then they almost immediately make it right back up. They've, they've really never had to go off script. And it reminds me a little bit, and I'm, and it's just because you got to see it. you got to see it. They have way more weapons than the team I'm going to mention. But the year that Lamar won the MVP with Baltimore, when they were 14-2, and two, I think, that year, and it was like everything went their way. They were ahead in every game. And then all of a sudden the playoffs got punched in the mouth. And, oh, what do we do here? And I, I don't know if that's just being skeptical, if it's fair. They have more weapons in that Baltimore team. They're able question. to win in different ways. But they, we, haven't, they, we haven't seen them have to. They, I mean, you go look at through this. I mean, it's, there was a game early against Jacksonville where they got down a couple of touchdowns and came back and won 29-21. But there's not that many examples of them being behind and having to chase. They just haven't had to because they've been so great out of the games. Last three weeks, 40, 35, 48. Yeah. And you want to talk about the MVP of this league. It might be Howie Roseman for crying out loud. I mean, that guy. <laughs> A.J. Brown. Incredible. I mean, A.J. Brown, he yeah. gets he gets the Devonta Smith. They go up to get him in front of New York, and New York was taking a receiver. Yep. And they go up and get him in front of it, and they got all these picks still coming. I mean, they're oh. just yeah. – it's really set up. And, they, and then they – there isn't anybody who thought Jalen Hurts would be this. Nobody. He's, he's been sensational. This was the stretch where they, they were really good. So they lose to the Commanders on Monday Night Football yeah. Week 10. And then if you remember, they were down big to the Colts in that game and came back. They were down 10-13-3 going into the fourth quarter in Indy, yeah. looking like they could lose back-to-back -back games. And they came back and won it. Hurts ran in a touchdown with a minute left. And since then, then they've been just swamp city. Yeah. The rest of the way. Slumpers. Um, yeah, I like Kansas City. I like Philly. I like San Francisco. And I like the Bengals. And those are the four that I think separate. Because Buffalo's not sharp right now. I was going to say, n neither of the three of us said Buffalo. They're not sharp. Was everybody's unanimous pick at the beginning of the season to win the Super Bowl. They're not. I'll tell you, if I'm the Pagulas, I put a dome on that sucker right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Because yeah. they are a dome team. Yeah. They have built a dome roster. Mm -hmm. I know they're building that new stadium. Thing looks great. I would I would make it a, a climate controlled because they're better in a dome. Gabe Davis has not broken out the way that they needed. No, tell me as the it. second opposite, <sighs> second opposite. Stephon nice, Diggs. nice between that and the T Higgins late notice on that. Not gonna. Oh my God! In the last week of the regular that's, season. Hold on, that's twice they've done oh. that with him this year. Where they've had him active. He yep. played one snap and oh. then sat. sat. against Baltimore. I want yep. to say earlier. This Brutal, year. <laughs> evil. Last week of mean the regular spirited. season. That is so mean spirited. I was to do pointing it. that out on the broadcast. Like, Wait a second, Jim said. As soon as Boyd went out, you'd say, okay, for sure they're going to get him in there. He wasn't in again. He played on the first third down play yeah. of the game. That was it. Yeah, that's brutal. And he just stood there. Yeah, all sorts of consequences of that. But do you, are you, what is what is the deal in Buffalo? Like they, it feels like offensively, every Allen doesn't look like how he looked last year. He turns it over a lot. Um, they're not able to get that separation, and it's just kind of a struggle. They're still really good. They they handle their business against the Jets, although the Jets did cover as we as we thought that they would, but. No, it feels like they just haven't taken that step, Joe. Yeah, I think it's because Josh Allen is still making enough big plays and enough wild plays to overcome the mistakes that he's making in the red zone and with the turnovers. Yep. But eventually when you play a good team in the playoffs, those mistakes are too big to overcome even for a player like Josh Allen who can do so much and do so many exciting things outside of the structure of their offense. But in the end, like – 
you have to be good in the red zone and you have to be able to play mistake-free football, especially when the weather gets bad yep. in January. And so I think that was the one reason why I didn't include them amongst my two favorite teams <clears throat> in the NFL um, is because there's these other teams that are playing good football and able to make big plays outside of the structure uh, of their offense or their, or their defense can win in different ways. And I just don't see Buffalo being that chameleon-like. It's like – Josh Allen has to make an amazing play or yep. they can't win. Yep. Yeah. No, that's it's very accurate. By the way, did you see the lineup for tonight's Manning cast? No, I have not. Oh, yeah. What's the game tonight? Arizona, New England. Oof. Who do they got? Guess number one. I mean, you're going to be tuning in. <laughs> Joe Burrow. <laughs> Joe football. <laughs> that's interesting. How about that? Guess number two. Bill Simmons. Jeez. Mm. Guess number three. Keegan-Michael Key. Okay. Then they wrap it up with Adam Vinatieri, which is Vinatieri. It falls right? off a it little falls bit off there, there, but it's, it's, the first will be fun. Burrow, Simmons, Keegan, Michael Key will be great too. He'll be good, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, at the end, like Vinatieri at this point, yeah. They'll just talk about Manning as a Colts quarterback and yeah, I don't, but tell Manning stories, but yeah. Burrow and Simmons. First Joe Burrow will do well at that. And Simmons will be great. Yeah, that'll be that'll be pretty strong. All right, real quick, gentlemen, these are quick hitters. Buying or selling you? Buying Dallas. Z, you buying Dallas? Struggled at home. Of course, I buy buy Dallas. I think a lot of injuries on that defense, defense, man. That's the thing. But secondaries, they need to be healthy. They're going to the playoffs, so they yes. just need to be healthy for the playoffs. And right now, they would be the five against Tampa Bay. Right, which at Tampa Bay is what that would be, and they're a disaster. They'll either be five against Tampa, or they're going to be five against Carolina. Yeah, uh, Hoff, Miami, back to back losses out in California. They stayed out there. You buying or selling the Dolphins? I'm selling right now because this is kind of that slump that all teams go through that have sort of a meteoric rise new offense new look to a teams start to figure out okay what can't they handle right which the last couple of weeks the it's niners been, let's play it. Yep. tight press coverage let's beat up those receivers let's make Tua hold on to the football not give them those big chunk play opportunities where guys are running wide open in the middle of the field and see how else they can beat us they haven't been able to do it in two weeks so it'll be interesting to see if they can have another step and morph into a better version of themselves to be able to overcome how these teams are playing them. And part of it, too, Waddle's been hurt the yeah. last two weeks, and two of them is better than one of them. You know yeah. what I mean? In terms right. of the speed, you can double, triple Tyreek Hill, and now without Waddle, okay, Did you is see Trent Sherfield going to beat me? <laughs> he picks up the fumble. <laughs> Shot out of a cannon. Yeah. Tyreek Hill. So he's the first All guy. All the well behind. <laughs> and it's like as soon as he gets to here, he almost ran out of his own shoes. It was like a Roadrunner cartoon thing. Like he almost <laughs> he almost lost his own. He was going so yeah. fast, even he wasn't prepared for it. So he's the first guy in the modern era that has scored a receiving touchdown, a rushing touchdown, a kick return, a punt return, and a fumble recovery touchdown, all of more than 50 yards. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, all I don't right. even remember when he was a returner. In Kansas City, right? Yeah, Wasn't it right at the yeah, beginning? Yeah. Like yeah. His first in the beginning, yeah. He must have been pretty good at it. Well, it pretty uh, fast. Yeah. Detroit. around him like the, the rabbit. Buying or selling I'm game. I'm buying, man. Man, I'm buying. So, they were my surprise playoff team. I think we Let's both go. had them in, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's uphill for them. They basically, they're six and seven. They've won, what, five out of their last How about uh, seven games. Goff's been great. He's actually been better than Cousins and Brady both. Um, he's... He, uh, they are six and seven. So they, the teams that they have to have falter are Washington and the Giants. They're both seven, five, and one. So you just need losses there to stack for them. They get the Jets this week. That's a big one. They got to win that. Jamison Williams, welcome to the NFL. Hmm. Forty yards out of yeah, the but then why they? I felt like he's hardly playing. He had a, he had a hundred and some yards. He scored a forty-one yard touchdown yesterday. 
He had a 41-yard touchdown. Did he have anything else He had 100 else yards rushing, didn't he? Or 100 yards receiving in the game? Did he? I, oh, I was only did. looking early, and it, like after yeah. that first catch, I was like, "All right, he's back." And then I'm pretty sure he did. Although, well, maybe not. I saw him get the first one. I thought he got. I thought he ended up catching some more from them. Um, Hoff, Chargers buying or selling? They're now seven and six on the season. I'm buying them because of Justin Herbert and what he's doing right now. Right, like he's playing as well as any quarterback in the NFL, and he's allowing them to overcome a lot of mistakes. And more than anything, they just got their full complement of receivers back. And so now he's able to fully express the talent and ability that he has because he's got his studs back on the outside. Hey, and two tar- Williams, two targets, one catch, 41 touchdowns. He only played 13 snaps. Like, I'm ready. Give him. Yeah, go. Let him eat. Let's go. Yeah, let him go. Let the kid go. Uh, this from uh, Peter King, Football Morning in America. If the Panthers went out, they win the AFC, NFC South, host a wild card game, likely as a number four seed. Panthers don't play a winning team in the last four weeks, though the Lions are playing like the 67 Packers right now. What a Who great wins? Drop. The NFC South might just be them. Our guy Wilkes. Let me ask you this: Are we sure that the Niners want Tom Brady next year? Well, no, I don't. No, no, I don't. Not after what you've. What I no. Is I he mean, well? I, I don't know. Maybe it's, it'd be hard to say no. I mean, you can't. This Brock Purdy thing's not gonna. He's not gonna keep doing this, Mister Irrelevant. Keep doing this. Be crazy. <sighs> I know we get excited about a fun, feel-good story like Brock Purdy, but I think if you're evaluating the last two games for Brady and the last two games for Purdy, I'm guessing that Brady probably would have been able to do all of those things. (laughs) Probably so. He's missing, though, to be fair, a lot of throws. I think it was uh, Simmons Simmons and the Cuz said it reminded him of his last year in New England where everything went wrong. And he just out of structure, feet wrong, arm angles wrong, like everything wrong. He can't get the ball to Mike Evans. Yeah, they can't figure that out. They can't run it. They can't all of those things. So, um, yeah. All right, we'll go around the AFC North coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Elk and Elk Serious Lawyer Serious Injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. As we take a look at the AFC North after week 14, Ravens and Bengals both atop at 9-4. and four. Us and the Steelers 5-8 and eight, um, heading into this final four-game stretch. The Ravens win in Pittsburgh 16-14. to 14. Uh, Pickett left the game early in the first quarter with concussion. Mitch Trubisky was in through the three picks, 276. In, re- in relief of that, uh, Tyler Huntley exited a game with a concussion as well um, after the hit from Mika Fitzpatrick. Anthony Brown entered in relief of that one. This is – I don't think this is a stretch or anything hot take-ish. It's the Bengals' division. I mean, it's their – Oh, yeah. The they Ravens, the healthy quarterback. They're they ready to go. They figure out how to win, though. They do. They just, They're crafty. They are crafty. Yeah. Win at the buzzer against Denver. Hold on to beat the Steelers. I like mean, they not, always do that. They, Last year they did that. They just know how to win. They do. They know how to win. It's crazy. Yeah, but it's um, it, if you look, it is it's the it's the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals play the, the for the Bengals to beat us without two thousand yards of receiving talent. Go. It is the Bengals. They are the best team in the division, yes. definitively. Yeah. The Ravens have us. 
The oh, it's Falcons, the easiest thing you've ever seen in your life. The Steelers, then the Bengals, Week 18. Mm-hmm. They currently hold the tiebreaker over the Bengals. Now do Cincinnati. Do you have it up? Yeah. They play what? Well, the Bucks aren't much, but they play the Bills at Bucks, at Pats, home for the Bills, home for the Ravens. So, I mean, it feels like both could go three and one there, right? Yeah. I think Cincinnati's feeling like. They could be playing for, in their view, they could be playing for the one seed in the AFC against Buffalo because they have the tiebreaker with Kansas City already. So they'll be playing for the one seed in the AFC when they play Buffalo in the second to last week, and they'll be playing for the North in the last game of the regular season. The Patriots who stink, are the, that's the scary one for them, right? That Belichick cooks something up and has one of those wacky games. Yeah, I just don't know. if It feels like with Reeder in the middle, if he's healthy, they won't be able to run it. No. And, yeah. You know, if they, they got to get healthy at receiver, they're not going to be able to do it the way no, they did. No, Boyd's going to miss. Out. I think Boyd's going to miss at least one. At least one game, they said. And T. Higgins, who knows? That was that's brutal. You you can't do that. You got to just go ahead and say the guy's inactive. You can't do that to people. There's too much going on in the world of fantasy football. Like that's not okay. <laughs> well, I mean, quite frankly, we're about ready to have legal gambling in the state of yeah, Ohio, that's January one. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> T. Higgins isn't going to play. That's a that's why they have injury reports, guys. Right, and you know? he didn't. If I'm not mistaken, he did not carry a designation into the game. No, did not because I was I have him. I mean, he was yeah. he was all he was all in, and and then to not play him was 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 pretty wild to say the least. Uh, we will have the Ravens here on Saturday. Head coach Jim Harbaugh remaining optimistic during his press conference after the game that Huntley will be able to play on Saturday in absence of Lamar Jackson. Um, man, that's it's. You never know with that. He said, quote, he seems good to me. We'll see how it goes. We trust the docs on that end, and they'll do a good job with it, whatever it is. If Tyler can go, he'll be there. Anthony will be backing him up. If it can't, Anthony will be playing, and Brett will be backing him up. Um, and so there there you go on that front. And Lamar is still Anthony a couple weeks. Uh, beats me. You don't know either. No, I don't get nothing. Usually I can give you a college. Rookie yeah. from Oregon. Just looked it up. 6'1", 228. Uh, undrafted. Doesn't have draft status, so I'm assuming he was undrafted. Yeah. I don't remember seeing him at Oregon. Not oh, that I was the, following them, but. he was. The, so he, did he replace Herbert? He was the transfer. He transferred from Boston College to Oregon. Um, yeah, he was the backup to a kid named Tyler Show. Made his first appearance in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, yeah, not much there. He threw for 2,900 yards his last year at Oregon, 18 touchdowns, seven picks. They weren't very good that year. Um, trying to think. He would have been – he probably would have been the quarterback of record when they beat Ohio State. Would that be right? He might have been. I don't know. With the backs. They went into the shoe and beat Ohio State in like week two, hmm. week one or week two a year ago. He could have been that. Um, but, yeah, not – look, it, does, it almost doesn't matter to them. though. But, by the way – when you think of them, they got Dobbins back, and that was a big deal. Yeah, over what over a hundred yards touchdown yeah. for them. You got Dobbins, and you got Gus Edwards, and I, I mean they're going to grind it. You talk about a team that is interested in grinding it out. That's what they've done. Their last three victories. Listen to these numbers. Since their bye week, they beat the Panthers thirteen to three, they beat the Broncos ten to nine, and they beat the Steelers sixteen to fourteen. I mean, this is not a juggernaut. Yeah. No. By any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Anthony Brown was the quarterback in Columbus. He went 17 to 35, 236, two scores. They ran it all over uh, in that one. He can, he can, he can, he can run it too. But yeah, it, it, it's just kind of, it's one of those ones for us that get, 
Look, it's been a minute since we've been at home. Yeah. A couple of games out, Deshaun Watson's home debut, Hoff. What do you anticipate that being like for him? What's the weather? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, how Deshaun Watson gets comfortable playing in the elements, right? Because that's always one thing that you are interested or concerned with a little bit when you've got a quarterback that's played his entire career down south and hasn't experienced the wicked weather that we sometimes get on the shores of Lake Erie. And it looks like there's a chance for some precipitation, maybe some flurries. 32. A little breezy, 32. So it's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. Uh, It's his first opportunity to really obviously play in front of the Cleveland Browns fans with an orange helmet, but also – playing in some really adverse conditions in a game that the Ravens would be happy, like you were saying, to maybe try to grind it out with a lot of handoffs to their running backs, especially if they're down to their third-string guy. So um, we'll kind of test what we're talking about, giving uh, Deshaun Watson an opportunity to open it up. And 38-mile-an-hour wind gusts potential on Sunday. They don't know that yet. Let's be honest. It's Monday. A little early still. It's a little early, but uh, that's why uh, Dome – Domes, 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 domes. I'm big dome guy. Huge. Give me the domes. Sort it out. Mad every time I say that, I'm. Oh, they always dome do. Guy. They yeah. get furious. That's not football. Uh, it yeah. sounds like perfect condition football to me. It sounds like <laughs> let skill take yeah. over. If you have a Ferrari, keep it on the highway. There's no reason to off road it. Exactly. Keep it on the highway, brother. And there's ways to do it. With, you do the grass. You can grow grass indoors. It's you got. It's yeah. Come Let's on. Do it. Let's do it. Got to do it. Um, gonna be a fun one down there. Uh, on Saturday that we have a Monday night football score coming up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Daily brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. Before we get to the scores for tonight, Hoff, you had all sorts of charitable work this weekend. Charitable work at the beginning part of this week as well, my friend. Always good to have you back in town. Ah, it's always joyful when I get to be in the studio with you fine gentlemen. Even in tough environment like today after a loss, <laughs> A hard-fought loss. It's uh, it's still great to see you guys in person. Well, this is the joy. That's the, the joy of it all. It's yeah, the brotherhood, the camaraderie. That's right. That's right. That's me and right. Z, he's going to push me in the weight room after this. We're going to th- throw the prison weights around Easy. for a little Let's bit. It'll go. be fun. Watch the back. I don't I'm know. good. Dude's I'm been good. in traction for like a oh. week. So How is the back? <laughs> We're fine. We'll stay away from the back. You sure? I saw you core. stretching it earlier. A little stretch every now and then. It gets a little, a little tight. A little tight. Flights, plane flights, and hotel beds are tough. Hotel beds can be tough. Especially yeah. if you get a bad pillow. Well, that's what it is. Soft, soft, soft mattress. pillows. Let me tell you something right now, folks. Okay, hoteliers out there, <laughs> two mushy, thin pillows yeah, don't do not make same. one good pillow. No, just put one good pillow out there. Yeah. There's no help. There's no happy medium there. It's either that I mean, or it's s- the big boy, the big extra fluffy thing that's yeah. not. Pliable. But that's not. Yeah. But that's. That's no, not it. No, that's not it. You need some structure. You need to support the head, and so that your spine is at a good angle. Yeah, I bought a special like. Uh, traction pillow i it's amazing i, I gotta like share this. it with you guys i found it on amazon it me. looks like a regular memory foam pillow but it's got like an extra dish almost on it that your head like perfectly lays in it 
and it allows your head to be in perfect alignment with your spine but it also because it's got a little bit of a slant like away from your body it kind of gives your neck just a slight bit of traction have you ever worn one of those dopey like uh horseshoe neck yeah. pillows on an airplane sure you know when you get out of it it feels really good because it kind of gives you like your neck a little traction that's what this pillow does so i sleep on it like every night i travel with it it makes that much of a difference in how i feel when i wake up versus when i don't sleep with that pillow it's amazing i'll have to send it to you guys it's, it's unbelievable it's incredible it changes your life yeah i like the idea of this yeah. attraction pillow yeah that feels fantastic Hello, Gibby. One final score for week 15 in the National Football League. It's the New England Patriots on the road visiting Cliff, Kyler, and company. The Arizona Cardinals 4-8, 1-6 at home this year. Patriots 3-3 three and three away from Foxborough. Zagura, score now. It's Patriots favored on the road. I don't know. I like the Patriots to win this one 21 Mm. I like what you did there. Bishop? Yeah, I'm going to go same but different. Belichick, for whatever reasons, has trouble with running quarterbacks. Fields got him earlier this year. Um, I hate everything about this Cardinals operation. Same. I hate picking them in any way, shape, Gross. or form in anything. Uh, but I but I will in this one. I like him winning it outright 24-21. Joe Thomas? I like the Cardinals 21-10. I, I agree Ooh. with you, Bo. Like, when running quarterbacks – go against a, a Belichick system. A lot of times Belichick wants to play man in the secondary, which is hard with a running quarterback because you got half your defense with their backs turned to the quarterback. But also making plays outside of the structure becomes difficult for that defense, yeah. right? Because you can't plan for what he's going to do because nobody knows what he's going to do. Right. So I like the Cardinals. I like it as well. I like having the Hoffman studio. The ah, next level is coming up next. Thanks for listening. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cervical. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland.